0: today's bible readings psalms 136 verses 1 through 3 give thanks to the lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever give thanks to the god of gods for his steadfast love endures forever give thanks to the lord of lords for his steadfast love endures forever 1 thessalonians 5 verses 16 through 18 rejoice always pray without ceasing Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. 1 Corinthians 1, 1.4 I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. This is the word of God. This is Thanksgiving, and um, I promised a, a shorter sermon. Some of you could be very thankful for that. Uh, We're taking a little break from biblical justice, and, and I'll give you a special Thanksgiving message that I've entitled Giving Thanks in All Circumstances. And since my time is tighter, let's get into it, okay? Part one eternal, steadfast love in a world of failing and ending love. That's the kind of world we live in. The love is always failing and ending, but not from God, right? Eternal, steadfast love in a world of failing and ending love. Part two, the gospel and thanksgiving in all circumstances. All circumstances. The gospel and thanksgiving in all circumstances. And part three, thankful for the grace to and from the family of God. Thankful for the grace to and from the family of God. And... Um, so what I, these three passages that our brother read, um, I, I, I just want to, they're, they're these are the verses that I'm going to go in each of these parts. So it's kind of like three little mini sermons, but they're all linked together. And let's start with this first one, Psalm 136, um, give thanks to the Lord, capital L-O-R-D is Yahweh, give thanks to Yahweh, this is the verse I read at the beginning of our service, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. I don't know if you know this, but th- this words, He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Do you know that this verse is in the Bible a lot of times? It's not just here. It's, it's in the Bible a lot. And this whole theme of give thanks, give thanks, I, I could have literally handed you a hundred, more than a hundred verses on giving thanks. So it's one of the huge themes of the Bible are you a thankful person and do you give thanks especially to God for what he has done what he will do what he is doing And do you see who he is And this is a great uh, a summary I mean at this these words give thanks to Yahweh for his good his steadfast love endures forever give thanks to the God of gods for his steadfast love endures forever give thanks to the Lord of lords his steadfast love endures forever. Forever. You know, this is um not every year is uh, you know, we have Thanksgiving, and I actually think it's this is one of the most important holidays. And in America, um, you know, we're becoming increasingly a post-Christian and secular nation, and so Thanksgiving is like it's about food or something. <laughs> it's about food and football and family, and of course, those you know, I, I like food and football and family, so that, that's a good holiday even if you don't believe in God, but um, if you believe in Jesus, Thanksgiving is not a secular holiday. Thanksgiving, it it's connects you to the most important reality that there is. And I hope you think of this. His steadfast love endures forever. Now, 2020, let, let, let's just be honest, this year stinks. <laughs> it's an awful year. Um, I hope you, you haven't lost your job or you're not fearful of losing your job or I hope you don't have, you yourself haven't gotten sick or you have a loved one who has gotten sick or even worse, a loved one who has died. Right? Um, that is just looming over our heads over so many people. And we don't live, quote unquote, normal lives and even if you are healthy, we live in fear. We live in Separation. We, it's called social distancing, but I think this is just practice loneliness. It's really what it is. And this physical separation is a constant reminder to us that um, you're on your own, man. <laughs> you're on your own, woman. And it's just a matter of time before life is filled with a valley of hardship, of tears, and it's gonna be filled with letdown now, I know this sounds really depressing, but you know isn't that how you feel? Maybe you don't feel that way every day, but you feel that Monday you feel good, but on Tuesday, in the middle of the afternoon, it feels something more like this and um you know i wanna I wanna say this: do you believe this word? I'm not just saying this. To you, if you are not a believer in Jesus. If you don't believe her in Jesus, you're like, well, that's those are unbelievable words. Yahweh is good, his steadfast love endures. It endures forever. <laughs> if you go through life. I know a lot of people, I can say this to you, but I don't think a lot of people actually believe this, okay? Especially in Silicon Valley. We live in an intensely worldly city. We always think if you want your life to be good, first, you must have really great health. Two, hopefully you're really good looking or can make yourself look halfway okay, good looking, okay? If you weren't born with super looks. And then you find some person who quote-unquote loves you who has, is healthy and good looking. And then, and then someone will be there for you but it's just a matter of time before it turns into a 2020 valley of crappiness. And we always think, if you're good looking and you got the money and everything's all looking up, and then I'll be happy and I'll have a good life. But actually, the real truth of it is, what makes for a good life is if somebody loves you. (laughs) And if they will love you, when it's bad <laughs> and they won't stop loving you when you're bad <laughs> when everything turns really bad and you yourself are no good well that person still love you if you have somebody in your life like that you are living a good life well let me tell you something else that's just is so depressing but it's true that person could leave. That person might decide to stop loving you. And their love won't be so steadfast. It will stop. Or what if you have somebody so great in your life, they, you just you know, you just know, they're not going to stop loving you. Okay? I mean, I, I think my wife is like that. I think I would have to seriously screw up royally spectacularly and she won't stop loving me. But here's something else. She's human. She's mortal. She can get sick. She can get into a car accident and she will die. And then her love, which to me is as steadfast, when I see it in my life, is as steadfast as anybody in my life. And probably when I compare around, I'm like, Oh, you guys out there, you should get a wife like mine. (laughs) Not the way she looks or how smart she is. Will she love you steadfastly? But you know what? So I roll this little tape in my mind every now and then. And I've talked about this. For those of you who know me, I'm not afraid of having less money or growing old or even dying. But I am afraid of losing my wife. So here is this profound steadfast love. And what if it ends? I think about, do I have a comeback? Can I have a comeback if that happens? And I would like to think I do have a comeback, but if I'm really honest with you, I'm not sure. I think it might be such a profound wound, I'll never be the same again. Out of the Bible, here are these words. His steadfast love endures forever, ever. That means no matter what. The gospel tells us something. This, this is, this, these words are like, they're, this is not exactly the gospel because it hasn't told us how his steadfast love endures forever, but this is sort of like the, the prelude. This, this is really what you get out of the gospel there's a God who made it, who did something for you, for me, offered it to you for me so that the love will never, ever, ever go away. It's yours forever. And so even when you and I are bad, even where I were awful, we sin, even if you screw up so badly, your wife stops loving you, your dad stops loving you, your friends leave you. I mean, um, What if you're a gambling addict and you're destroying your family's finances? What if you lose your job, you get really low? Men, by the way, I don't know if you know this, the worst thing that's for a man is not that he loses his job and then their finances go into the tank. He loses his self-worth. There's a lot of men, they lose their job and they act like they're okay on the outside But if you could look inside their heart, they've just been chopped down into half like they're less than nothing, and they feel like they're less than nothing. And then they get depressed, and then they drink, or they start looking at porn or just doing stupid stuff. It's very hard to love a depressed person, especially if he denies. You know, like men are like great deniers, fakers. And then what if his wife just gets tired of that one year, two years, three, four, five years later, he's not trying to work anymore, he's drinking a little too much, he's not letting his wife in, and she stops loving him. <laughs> That's real. And if you're really honest with yourself, there's nobody in this room right here, or you listening online, that could be you. That could be you. Nobody's strong enough, righteous enough, or loving enough, and if you think you are, you're really fooling yourself. And if you have somebody who really is something better than you, boy, are you blessed. But we all need somebody better than you and somebody better than your wife or your friends. And you know what the gospel tells us? There is such a person. His name, he's God. His name is Yahweh. And he ensured that the love will never end. He did it by sending his son. And his son took all the ways that we fail love, the way we will, we will break it so that people will stop loving us. But the cross says that all our poverty of love, all our lack of righteousness, all the things that will make love stop. Even if your wife dies, your most unbelievably great wife dies, the cross is that all of that pain and all of that loss would go on Jesus. All of our failures and all of our sin and all of our guilt and all of our shame would go on Jesus, and then he would conquer it. And that since all that is so mad and wrong in us has been conquered, God could love us forever. That's the promise. Can you live in that? Can you live in that? COVID 2020. And we're mostly a bunch of orphans. I I said this to you last week in our our Justice series. I I, I talked about this guy named Sung Chan Ra. And... um, when he was in elementary school, his father abandoned his family. And then because his father abandoned his family, he said he lost his mother too because his mother had then had to take on two jobs. But he did not lose love because his mom took him to church. And everybody today just dumps on church because they only just look at it as half empty and they see hypocritical people, which is, you know, it's not like churches only only churches the only place to find hypocritical people. You know, you go to work and you will meet hypocritical people, all right? You know, you just turn on politics, political news, hypocritical people. Hello, was like but I don't know why today everybody wants to single out church. But maybe because our hope for it will be so much higher and thus our disappointment is so much greater. Yet nonetheless, if we only look at the disappointment, you're just living in the darkness. He went to church. And he was told there's an unswerving hope. That's the word he put it. Unswerving hope is the same as steadfast love endures forever. So that's part one. I'm going to part two. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, and 18. How can you live inside of this kind of truth? They're simple little verses. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will. If you are in Christ Jesus, this is God's will. So I want to offer this to you. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. What if your your dad is dying of COVID? What if your kid is sick from COVID? Rejoice always? Are you serious? What if you lost your job and you think you're going to get evicted out of your apartment? Rejoice always? Are you serious? But here's where the gospel is so important. What's the most important fact in your life? What's the biggest, most important truth in your life? Is it that you're jobless? Is it that somebody has COVID? Is it that your wife is loving you less? Are these the most important facts in your life? Is it that because you lost your job, you're you're, you're you have this you know this uh thing this tape that goes on? I'm sorry, sorry for you young people. A tape was an old. T- okay, This CD. Sorry, we can't use that. The 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 you know. It's stuck. I'm not worth anything. Nobody thinks I'm worth anything. Is that the biggest fact in your life? Or is it Jesus did conquer all things, every horrible thing, your sin, your guilt, people's sins against you, people's hypocrisy, all the bad things that can happen in life, even if somebody who loves you dies, is that the biggest fact of your life? This steadfast love which endures forever, forever, never, ever, 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 ever will stop. Is that the biggest fact of your life? I want to offer this to you. If this is the biggest factor of your life, the fact of your life, even when you're not feeling it, we live in this era where everybody thinks our feelings tell us the truth. Let me tell you, your feelings lie. Your feelings are dumb. I just love you, babe, so much. Let's get married and we'll love each other for the rest of our life. That's not true. (laughs) Your feelings said that to you. But in two weeks, you're going to have a fight and you're not going to be feeling love for your wife. (laughs) Okay? Two weeks later, you're like, I'm not feeling it. (laughs) I'm feeling a lot of hate. (laughs) You know how how you love her? not through the feelings, through the biggest truth. You, you made a big truth. We went before God. We went before all our friends and family. We promised to love each other. You're stuck with me, babe. <laughs> so, darn it, I'm going to try to forgive you. I will love you, not by my feelings, but with promise. So that, that's, that's, wow. Wow. See? And in that, you can rejoice. See, you can rejoice in that. You know, um, if somebody's ever loved you like that, I mean, my wife is great. I wake up with security all the time. When I think I'm going to fail as a pastor, I'm like, well, I got a great wife. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I'm not kidding. I, that's like, that's, that's one of the things. It's right up there as a consolation. If I feel like we're like, oh my gosh, this debt is terrible and that means I'm kind of a loser, but I got a great wife. She still loves me. But what if you have a great God? Better than your wife. You can rejoice. And you know how you remember this? You pray. A lot. It says, pray without ceasing. You talk to this God. And you say to him things like, today, Jesus, I feel like a loser. But before you, can it be true? I don't feel this before you. But you conquered this. I'm never a loser with you. Your love is with me forever. Help me believe that. (laughs) I'm not believing it right now. (laughs) Because, Jesus, honestly, I suck. (laughs) I'm a a bad Christian. I'm weak. But the cross is the final say. (laughs) Steadfast love is the final say. If you can believe this, you can get back to the truth of it. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And then say, thank you. Regardless of the circumstance. Regardless of the circumstance. And I want to close by um, this verse, and I want to practice this verse, and I want to share with you how I practice this verse. First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.4, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. This is the beginning of the letter to the Corinthians. Paul is the pastor. And he's writing to a church. He's writing to people he knows. So I give thanks to my God always, always, not sometimes every now and then, but always for you, the church, these people. Revived Church, um, I have pastor friends. I can tell when we get on Zooms, they're low. Um, one of my pastor friends told me that he's a Barna statistic. That his church is down 30% in their attendance, and their giving is going down, their energy is down, and I can tell he's feeling we might not make it. I think they're going to make it. He's a great pastor, but man, this is this guy's a great pastor. He's not a good pastor. He's like he's better than me. <laughs> But he says, "I'm a statistic." You know, um, there's a lot of you. I want to speak to all the of you who are at home, and some of you are afraid. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to like. I'm not trying to criticize you for being at home. But you should come in person. Okay? It's not a little better. God intended His people to be together. Amen. And when they get together, even if you don't have a house, you're outdoors, Those when they gather together, that's His house. Amen. That's where He'll be. And if you want to be where God is, go to His house. Go be with His people. And I'll tell you a story to close this. And I've been thinking about how 2020 is Such a crappy year for a lot of my pastor friends. But you know what I've been thinking? It hasn't been a bad year for me. (laughs) That's the crazy part. They tell me really painful stories. I know churches that are closing down. They don't have anybody who can run live stream. If you can't run live stream, if you don't have online giving, your your church is toast. I, I know churches that are like that. Um, I know guys that are like this and I, whenever I listen to their stories, I'm going like, gosh, I almost feel guilty. So I don't feel this way because I give thanks always for you Revive. And I want to close with this story. I've been thinking about a year that was worse than 2020. For those of you who are new to Revive, Our church came out of a previous church. And so I won't say the name of the church because I'm going to kind of air some dirty laundry here. (laughs) It was a Korean immigrant church, and there was a Korean-speaking congregation, and there was an English-speaking congregation, and the core of of our members of Revive came out of the English-speaking congregation. And in 2018, that was like the worst years I've ever, ever Experienced in ministry. It's one of the most horrible things I've ever watched up close. What happened was the Korean-speaking congregation, they started having deep fights that were effectively political. And these people, some of these people had known each other for 30 years, started stabbing each other in the back. And because they were so angry, it was like American politics had come inside of our church. It was gross. Like, if you think American politics is gross, I, like, the church politics was disgusting. And I would wake up and go to church, and here is what would go on in my mind. Like, Lord, Lord, don't let what's, like, I'd walk into the building, and you go this way to go to our side of the building, and I'd say, everything that's going on over here, please don't let that spill over into our you know, into our congregation. and I don't want to get overly dramatic here, but like I don't generally have nightmares, but I had a couple nightmares during that season where it did not feel like a nightmare. It was like somebody in the dream would like look me in the face and their face would contort into some kind of gross, horrific, ugly evil and condemn me for things I did not do. And I would wake up shaking, and I felt like the devil was after me. Because people over there were spreading lies about me and young. That's what it was like. It's just such a horrible season. And we had this, um, we were we were getting ready to become a new church, and we had started um, this thing, we had started on the pathway toward, you know, this high... In, this high commitment discipleship training that we do in our church, as you, you guys know, called Life on Life, Mission Discipleship. And the pastors, we had to get on a monthly Zoom call for training to prep our, you know, our, our discipleship. So these are pastors all around the country who were on the Zoom call. So that I, I was doing Zoom before you guys, okay? <laughs> Me and Young. And that's we were on this call. And we had just done this really beautiful thing called a day of prayer. So, our, our initial team to do this discipleship had done eight hours of prayer. It was an unbelievable day. And afterwards, now, our discipleship leader, his name is um, you know, his, our trainer, uh, awesome pastor, his name is Monty. You know, we were debriefing this, and he started off, goes, Susan, tell us what day of prayer meant to you. And I just started talking. And normally, I just, I'm I'm a dude who can put it together. I just go, you know, today could be a hard day, but just today, Jesus, take me through today. And every day was like that during this in 2018. Every day was so stressful, and I just felt like the church was going to be ripped apart. And the horrors on that side would spill over into our side. And, And I talked about how on day of prayer, Jesus through the Holy Spirit told me, You're good. I'm gonna take you through this. And as I started sharing this, I just started bawling. I just like normally I'm just like, I'm I'm a strong dude. I'm I'm like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a dude, I'm, you know, I'm together. And on this Zoom call, I just started bawling. And Monty asked me. Susan, can you just tell us what's bringing out all this emotion? And then I said, this is my home church. And people that I've known for many years are betraying us and throwing us away. Stabbing us in the back. Overpower. And then Monty turned to Young (laughs) and said, for whatever reason, Young's... Camera wasn't working that day. <laughs> and he turned to Young and he said, Young, what, what, what is your reaction to what Song is sharing? And then there was like this pause. As soon as Young started talking, it was immediately obvious he was bawling. The reason I want to say this to you is I will walk into church, our worship room. And in our worship room, if you did not know a horrible, horrible, like demonic war was happening on the other side of the building, you would not have known. You could have been absolutely new into our church, walked right into our worship room, and you would have not known all this was going on at all. It just was like, this was, God was there. We were the house of God. The steadfast love of God was there, and it was through you because of exactly what this verse says, because of the grace of Jesus in you. You had received his grace, and your grace came and sustained me and young at a time when we could have fallen apart. So brothers and sisters, I can't wait to see you every week. When I say it to you, That I give thanks to you for you always. And when I say that I love you, I really mean it. I'm not a really, you know me, I'm not some teddy bear of a guy. I'm not always good at showing it to you. I really mean it. Let us live in this steadfast love of God. Receive his grace and give this grace to each other. Come to our church. Come to the house of God. Somebody will come. They'll be like me and young in 2018. Barely holding it together. And the grace of God in you we we'll remind them there's a steadfast love they'll never break love you thank you